And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a great weekend. Uh, just me today, a solo show. I keep saying I'm going to do more solo shows, and I, I hardly ever do them. But uh, just your boy today. Um, have a few quick things I want to talk about, and then I'm going to answer a couple of questions from the audience. I had a couple of good questions today. Um, yeah, but before I get to everything, uh, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to get involved, you can support the show over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. All right, uh, first, here, here's a topic I haven't talked about in a long time, probably a year. But uh, Colin Kaepernick is back in the news. Um I, I, just briefly, I, I want to mention Colin Kaepernick. I, I've I've actually, as you guys know, and I've, and I've gotten a lot of crap from some of you guys on Twitter for it, but I've actually defended Colin Kaepernick, not necessarily the protest itself, but I said, look, Colin's a good quarterback. He's not a star quarterback how he once was, you know, five, six years ago, but he's good. He's obviously one of the best 64 quarterbacks in the league. You know, he deserves a job. Sports is the ultimate meritocracy. I don't like that he's out of the league because of his political speech. He deserves a job. <clears throat> so the NFL really tried to get Colin Kaepernick signed to an NFL roster over the weekend. They pulled out all the stops. They, you know, I don't know if they're trying to placate the 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 fan base, the black fan base, or the social justice warrior, you know, side of the fan base, or what. But they they gave Colin Kaepernick every opportunity to get back in the league. They uh, they set up a, a workout, a uh, televised workout uh, at the uh, Atlanta Falcons, I believe. Yeah, it was at the Falcons facility. Uh, something like 25 teams had sent representatives uh, to, to watch Cap work out. A half an hour. It was supposed to take place at 3 p.m. In, in Atlanta. A half hour before the workout was going to start. All the team representatives were there. Colin Kaepernick let everybody know he was not going to show up. He was not going to show up. He he was unhappy with some kind of waiver he had to sign, you know, some injury waiver. He wanted his own representatives there filming, and the NFL didn't want him to, so he, he just he let everybody know, hey, I'll be working out at a high school 60 miles away, which is insane. Um, obviously, 60 miles in Atlanta, Georgia. I've, I've driven through Atlanta, Georgia multiple times. <laughs> it's not an easy drive. Atlanta traffic is some of the worst anywhere in the country. Um, so only eight teams uh, ended up going to his workout that he, uh, he had set up himself. And and there was all these protesters there wearing like pro Kaepernick gear. Uh, there was his own film crew that he had hired there. This was staged from the beginning. Like Kaepernick was never going to show up to the NFL's workout. It was just a, a, a sideshow. He knew what he was doing. This is what he was going to do all along. Only eight teams showed up. He did the workout. He looked fine. You know, whatever. He looked like a average quarterback. Made some nice deep throws, whatever. 
didn't quite have the arm he had when he was playing. I mean, this guy hasn't played NFL football in three years, so that you know, keep that in mind. But he looked fine. And then he gave a little speech to the press where he played the victim. He attacked the NFL. He was wearing a shirt. What was the character's name? I forget. The, the, the freed slave from the show Roots. Um, I forget. I forget the character's name. But basically equating himself to a slave. You know, calling the NFL slave owners and himself an oppressed slave or something, which is odd from a man who's made a hundred million dollars uh, playing football. But it was just a, it was a sideshow, guys. It was a clown show. I was wrong about Kaepernick. I thought, look, like I don't agree with protesting during the national anthem. It's supposed to be a unifying moment before the game. I wish he would have picked another time to protest, but hey, look, he deserves to have a job. He doesn't want a job in the NFL. Like, he officially does not want to be an NFL quarterback. He just wants to be a martyr. Stephen A. Smith from ESPN, who's kind of a social justice warrior, and he's a huge Colin Kaepernick supporter, he said, I mean, he's done with with Cap. He said, look, I mean, he does not want to play. He just wants to be a martyr. He squandered the last best chance he's ever going to have. So, yeah, look, finally, after, what, three years, (laughs) we can officially put the Colin Kaepernick saga behind us. The dude does not want to play. He's never, I mean, an NFL team would have to be absolutely nuts to sign this guy. Dude, this is a job interview. This is, like, imagine, you, like, you've been desperately trying to get your dream job back for three years, allegedly. You you don't show up to the interview a half hour before you're supposed to show up to the job interview. You call the employer and say, hey, no, I'm not showing up. I'll be 60 miles away in an hour. Come see me. And then when your employer actually shows up, you insult them and say that they're oppressing you. It's like, what a clown. Like, what a <laughs> what an absolute clown. So yeah, Cap Cap is never going to get signed to a team. He's done. He doesn't even want to play anyway. It's just a it's just a sideshow. Just for attention and you know whatever, so he can sell some sneakers and stuff. So, uh, whatever. Anyway, I doubt I'll ever talk about Colin Kaepernick on the show again. Thank goodness that story had been boring, quite boring for the last few years. It was interesting at first, very boring after the first couple of weeks. Hilarious, hilarious story out of South Carolina for. One of my least favorite Democratic politicians, and that is Mayor Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He's been doing well in the Iowa polls. Uh, I saw one poll, I believe it was the Rasmussen poll, that actually had him ahead in Iowa. But he's still a long-shot candidate because as absolutely, he has none, no, zero black support at all. Okay, And you cannot win a Democratic primary uh, without the black vote. I mean, you need to win South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Alabama. You have to win a couple of those states at least. And he's polling at 0% among blacks in South Carolina, literally 0%. So the Buttigieg team put out a list of 400 black uh, prominent South Carolinians who allegedly endorsed him or endorsed his his proposals. There was an issue with with that list. (laughs) Uh, a bunch of people on the list did not endorse him, and 42% of the people on the list were white. <laughs> so it's like this made absolutely no sense. And and in this press release, for photos of these alleged black supporters from South Carolina, the campaign just Googled Kenyans 
took Google stock photos of Kenyans and published that. <laughs> so, so how does this happen? Man, I've worked on campaigns before. I've never worked on a presidential campaign. I mean, Pete Buttigieg has tons of money. He has a giant staff. He has the, the means to hire the very best people. And in an attempt to gain black support in South Carolina, he lied about South Carolina blacks endorsing him, put out a list of people, half of them were white, and they couldn't find any pictures of these people because they didn't exist, so he just used stock photos of Africans. <laughs> like, that's, like, super racist. <laughs> like, that's, like, what a joke. What a joke. What an absolute joke. So, yeah, I don't think that's really going to help uh, Mayor Pete uh, in those southern states. Uh, one more thing before we get to uh, listener mail. Um, some good news. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's good news. It, it is good news. President Trump has backed down on his uh, his plans to ban flavored vape products. Um, he's backed off on all that. He's no longer going forward with that. Thank goodness. Obviously, I vape. Um, I've advertised for vape companies on this podcast. I vape daily. Literally got my vape right next to me. Um it obviously helped me quit smoking. It's helped millions of people quit smoking. It is a much, much healthier alternative to smoking. Not saying it's great for you, but it is much better um, than smoking. Obviously, the, the science behind wanting to ban vape products was ridiculous anyway. There has been people that have gotten sick from vaping, but it was not from store-bought vape products. It was exclusively from THC products, um, you know, weed vape products, weed oils. Um, and none of those were actually bought at legal weed dispensaries they were actually black market stuff it was kids that thought that they were alchemists for some reason and started mixing their own oils together and got sick so i mean banning stuff would would do absolutely nothing except for to push people back to smoking cigarettes uh which yeah i know big tobacco wanted that but i don't know why anybody in the right mind would want that so trump backed down uh and all right so there's there's a good thing about trump and a bad thing about trump he deserves credit for backing down off of this asinine proposal to ban flavored vape products. Okay, good. And he's done this a lot. Like, he's had a lot of really bad ideas, and then he listens to people around him. He listens to his base and his supporters. He looks at the poll numbers, and he backs down. Good. That's actually commendable, and a lot of politicians don't. A lot of politicians just go down with their own ship, right? They, they're like, nope, I'm an ideologue. This is what I want to do, and I don't care who likes it. I'm going to do it. Trump's not like that. Like, he does pay attention, he sees the writing on the wall, and he changes his mind. My friend Jeremy Frankel from The Daily Wire, he always calls it trial balloons. You know, Trump puts out these trial balloons, and, you know, if it doesn't go well, he'll back down. Like, that's good in some respects. In other respects, I kind of wish Trump was an ideologue. I wish he was an actual ideological conservative. Because he's not, and he keeps getting himself into trouble. What he did, it was in late August or early September, it was over two months ago, and he said, yeah, I'm going to go ban flavored vape products. He just unleashed the hounds, man. That that gave Democratic governors, some Republicans, but mostly Democrats, governors and state legislatures to start banning shit, which they've done. There's like 10 states who have passed, you know, vape bans on certain products. Don't let the left... like. If you say you're open to banning something, you give the left clearance to do it. And they will. They want to ban everything. They everything. What are you doing right now? What are you eating? What are you smoking? What are you driving? 
They want to ban it. They want to ban what you're doing. Name five things you like in your life. I guarantee you the left wants to ban all five. Okay, so when Trump opened his mouth and he started talking about banning flavored vape products, it gave the left cover to start banning it in their states. A couple thousand vape shops have closed because of these regulations. 10 to 15,000 plus jobs gone in the last two months because Trump opened his mouth, said something dumb, and gave the left cover to run with it. I get it. I get it. The trial balloon didn't work. He backed off. He could have just not done it in the first place, and 2,000 establishments employing over 10,000 people would not have closed. Okay, like, I like that Trump learns and listens to the people around him and changes his mind on stuff. But for the love of God, I wish he actually wanted to shrink the size and scope of the state because he obviously doesn't. And you get himself into trouble. I mean, a lot of people have lost their jobs. People have lost their businesses. And most importantly, he opened up the door to the left to run wild with their vape regulations. It's great that Trump backed down. It would have been even better if he would have not wanted to violate the free market to begin with. So, Mr. President, I'm glad you changed your mind. Good. In the future, just don't. (laughs) Just don't do it to begin with in the future, please. All right, I have time for a couple uh, a couple questions from the audience. The first one's kind of a, 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 a I'll probably answer it with stuff I already said here on the show. But uh, first question: uh, polls show that Pete Buttigieg is up in Iowa. Does that mean he should be the favorite in the Democratic primary? Uh, no, I don't. And I, most, I think the polling average, the Real Clear Politics polling average, which is what I pay attention to the most. Um. I think still has Joe Biden up slightly in Iowa. I've seen a lot of polls where Biden, Bernie, Warren, and Buttigieg are all basically tied uh, in Iowa. And then Pete Buttigieg, I I believe it, don't quote me on this, I have to check, but I believe it was the Rasmussen poll from last week that actually showed Pete Buttigieg uh, up for the first time in Iowa. He was around 25%, and and, uh, the other three were around 20 each, 18 to 20 each. Um, so I don't know, like, we'll have to see if that poll was an outlier. Um, it's obviously the only one out of the dozens of polls that have come out in the last couple of weeks that showed that Pete was ahead. So I don't know if that's actually true or not, but look, like, even if he wins Iowa, I mean, Ted Cruz won Iowa in the Republican primary, uh, in 2016. So, I mean, winning Iowa is important, but it's not the be all end all. I mean, oh, Iowa caucus voters do believe that <laughs> their caucus is the be all end all, but it's really not, um, and even if, like, Biden falls apart and Pete Buttigieg wins Iowa and New Hampshire, which he he's way down in New Hampshire, so I don't think that's going to happen. But let's say somehow he wins the first two states. He's polling at 0% in, in among blacks in South Carolina. Like, you cannot win a Democratic primary without the black vote. Black voters are a huge percentage of uh, Democratic primary voters. And uh, a lot of times they're the most energized voting bloc. And Mayor Pete, uh, the blacks do not like him, <laughs> okay? Uh, the majority of, uh, vast, vast majority of black Americans, especially Southern black Americans, are very religious. They're all Christians. Most of them are Southern Baptists. Um, they're not going to like the Pastor Pete criticizing them, saying they're not a good Christian if they don't support p- 
partial birth abortion. Southern blacks are not going to like that. Uh, they're not going to like all the crazy socialism talk, you know. So I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't see it. And let's see. Figure. And you know what's not going to help them win black support? Lying about having black support and posting pictures of Kenyans as proof that that, that South Carolina blacks like them. So I I mean. No, I, I just don't see it. I mean, anything could happen. Crazier things have happened. I mean, Donald Trump's the president right now. But even if he wins Iowa, which I don't think he will, I think Biden will. But even if he does win Iowa, I just don't see it. I, I don't see him winning South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. I don't know. I just don't know where his path to victory is, even if he does well in Iowa. So I don't think he should be the front runner until, look, until something major changes. Joe Biden is your front runner. The press really tried to make it look like Warren was the front runner for a while, but it's just, she's not. I mean, she's still behind like six, seven, eight points in, in national polling. So Joe Biden's the guy until he, I don't know, maybe if his eye explodes again on national television, it'll knock him down a couple pegs. But hey, his eye exploded. He's forgotten what state he's in. He's misquoted all kinds of things. He's made up stories that never happened. And he's done horribly in every single debate and it hasn't really hurt him. So I don't know, maybe he's the Teflon guy in the, the Democratic primary. Who knows? One more question. Uh, I'm a college student. What's the easiest way to debunk socialism uh, with my friends who have been brainwashed by Marxist professors? Um, I mean, there's a million ways to uh, debunk Marxism. Uh, you said that your friends are brainwashed, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. If, if your friends were sober-minded and, and honest— uh, it would be a little bit easier. But, I mean, obviously you could go the route of like, hey, look, wherever it's been tried, there's been genocide and mass starvation and death and, and enslavement. Uh, you know, something somewhere between 110 and 150 million people, the largest genocide in human history. If they are as brainwashed as you make it sound, then they might just say, well, that wasn't real socialism. We'll we'll get it right this time. So I guess, you know, maybe don't even go down that road. If they're not open to that argument, I say the easiest way to debunk Marxism is debunking the labor theory of value uh, because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> right? uh, and for, for those of, for the uninitiated, the labor theory of value is one of the cornerstones of market, Marxist economic thought. Wow, I can't talk today. What's wrong with me? Uh, it, it's one of the, the, the cornerstones of Marxist thought. And it, Sorry, I'll just I'll paraphrase the the labor theory of value. The labor theory of value says that something's value is only dependent on the amount of labor that went into it, essentially. Which is why they want everything to cost the same and they want everybody to be paid the same. Right? That's why they hate the rich, they want to kill the rich and redistribute everything because they don't want a brain surgeon making more than the janitor. So the labor theory of value says if, if you have a job and your job is to dig holes on the side of the road and fill them back in for 40 hours a week, your labor is worth the same amount as a brain surgeon who works 40 hours a week fixing people's brains because you each labored 30 or 40 hours a week to perform those tasks. Now, that that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Okay, the bagger at Kroger's working 40 hours a week does not their labor is not worth the same amount as Elon Musk's 40-hour work week building rocket ships and electric cars. Okay, that, that doesn't make any sense. So that's why I mean that's probably the easiest route uh, to, to debunk socialism to college kids. 
um, to your classmates because it's it's so ridiculous. Like no one in their right mind actually believes that labor determines value. The market determines value. I mean, something is worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. I'm going fishing later. It's it's all the way up to the high 30s in Toledo. It's been it's been cold as shit the last couple of weeks. So it's like 38, 40 degrees. I'm going fishing. I'm not a commercial fisherman, but let's say I was. I could sell the fish I catch, which I can't, but let's say I was. People like walleye a lot more than they like catfish. Walleye's worth a lot more than catfish. If I spend an hour catching a catfish and an hour catching a walleye, that doesn't mean I can sell both for the same price because that's ridiculous. It's not how life works. It's not how any of this works. Okay? Guys that break rocks with other rocks for a living don't get paid the same amount as Ben Carson separating twins by the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like my goodness. So, yes, the the easiest way to debunk uh, Marxist thought would probably be debunking the labor theory of value because it is just so... It, it's just so ridiculous. It's like a child's view of the world. It's, it's such like a childish, amateurish way to way to see value, and it just makes absolutely no sense. So I would start there. Um, that's all I got. That's all I got. I'm going fishing. I'll report back on Wednesday uh, whether or not I caught anything. I'm going to go freeze my butt off down at the river. Uh, I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for all the great feedback I'm getting lately. Uh, I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.